Welcome to the first episode of the Waiting Room series, a collection of stories from people just like you from all walks of life who've taken their turn with patience. I'm your host, Libby Olerich, and if you have not listened to the introduction episode of the Waiting Room series, I encourage you to take five minutes to catch up before moving forward with today's interview. It will give you a more in-depth backstory about what led me to launch this podcast and what you can expect over the next few weeks. It's a different perspective when someone you love is waiting for something and you're kind of waiting with them, but it's not really, you know, yours. Today you'll hear from my dear friend, Anya McIntosh, one of the first people I met when I moved to Nashville almost eight years ago. I was a student at Belmont University and she had just moved here from Kansas City, Missouri. I was recommended through a mutual friend to watch her pets while she traveled for work. And since then, our friendship has grown. A few things you should know about her. She's a fiery redhead who will tell you like it is while simultaneously warming your heart with a healthy, lighthearted perspective on the good and bad that life hands us. She is one of the most honest people I know, and she will encourage you with a pep talk, loving those around her unconditionally, or simply showing that she is confident in who she is. Anya knows how to entertain her friends with hilarious stories, a night out to see an 80s cover band or the perfect charcuterie board and wine pairing. But before I give too much away about her personality, let's get right to the focus of our conversation. When we first met, Anya was going through a divorce. Not knowing her too well at that point, I gathered that she was a very special person I needed to stay in touch with. She also travels home on a regular basis to care for her father, who has been in hospice for quite some time. In the dining area of her kitchen, we discussed how waiting seasons lead us to let go of the expectations we put on our future, as well as a variety of affirmations that helped Anya get through tough times. So what exactly does it take to train our mindset when we're waiting for love or waiting with a loved one whom is suffering? We discuss over a bottle of rosé. Cheers. Cheers. How long have we been friends? We have been friends for six years. You know it by heart. You know. You, yeah. You're one of the first people I met when I moved here. I didn't know that. Yeah. One of the first, I mean, like, friends I had. And you started watching the dogs. Newman and Frank. Did you Newman. watch Lucy, too? All three of them. Oh, still my heart. I know. I'm, I miss all three. And they yes. all have, like, separate separate personalities. You did, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, cheese. This is what I'm looking at currently, also. Yes. Talk about the cheese. Um, we have a um, ash-ripened goat cheese. We have some beautiful, fresh, sweet raspberries. We have some tree-lined nut cheese, because you know I've turned into a, a vegan, vegetarian nut job. So, so no nut cheese, no dairy cheese. Well, the goat is. Goat. But, and then I've got some rice crackers and some other crackers, and a few almonds. Some delicious, my favorite, olives. Olive. See, I'm not an olive person. Yeah, most people aren't. But you know what's weird is my real name, Olivia, is it means olive tree. I'm going to start calling you Olivia. You should. I like it. Yeah. No well, one ever knows that. I grew up just in the markets in Paris, like going through like stalls that had just tons of olives. And we always had olives for like an appetizer before dinner. So, um, bougie life you lived. I know. I was just about to I ask didn't you. Live in Paris, though. I mean, oh, I did, I did live there, but when I was little, I'd go and visit, but I didn't live there until I went to school there after college. Well, in, in the middle of college, it was like your family vacay. Family vacay. My mom's whole family still lives there. She's mm-hmm. the only one in the United States, so she would send us over for the summers. 
and then um, the year I graduated I went for the whole summer and went to school there and uh, yeah now I just go back and visit but what's your favorite place in Paris to visit um, oh geez well I mean there's so many special places because my grandparents live there and they took me all over and so they felt it was their job when I was a kid to educate me about Paris when I'd go over. So we would go to Versailles and La Tour Eiffel, Eiffel Tower and the Louvre and yeah. Pompidou Center. We'd go everywhere. And my grandfather wouldn't come in. He would stay in the car. But my grandmother would take me everywhere. And she would go to the front of the line because she said this was her Paris and these are all tourists in America. <laughs> which I was as well, but she refused to ever call me an American, so. Since you were blood to her. Right. So my favorite place probably is the top of Montmartre or Sacré-Cœur. I don't know what any of that is. It <laughs> sounds divine. Sacred Heart. It's uh-huh. a beautiful church on the top of this hill of Montmartre, and that's where a lot of very famous, I think, I'm not positive, Impressionist painters got their start in this little square where they would paint. Um, And, you know, there's cobblestone roads, and it's just meandering, but it's up on a hill. Mm -hmm. And it used to be separate from Paris, but Paris has had so much urban sprawl, it's now part of Paris. And my aunt lives right at the bottom of the hill. It's not like a green, grassy hill. It's like, like, you know, it's like New York City. It's just kind of old buildings though everywhere and then you walk up these steep stairs and you're in this other little village it's kind of it's magical yeah like what you would you what you would think paris to be yeah my brothers and i never went a lot together but Mm -hmm. one time my brothers and i went and i i'm especially close to my brother craig and we spent a night after dinner just up there walking around and talking and it's like still one of my favorite moments in the world is when i was with him and up there just kind of hanging out and i got my hair wrapped with some twine. <laughs> Such a hippie. Such a hippie you went frolicking in the grass in so, Paris. Yeah. Uh, so that's yeah. probably my favorite. Can I mean, you bring me sometime? Yes. We should all go. We should all go. It's amazing. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. We'll talk about more about your family and your upbringing and, you know, your relationship with your family then and now and... I am the youngest of three. I have two older brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, my formative years, I grew up, I was born in California, and I grew up in New Jersey, um, and then I moved to Missouri for junior high and high school and college. Very tough transition for me. I came from a lot of diversity. My family's very diverse in New Jersey. Um, my parents are both foreign, so my dad's from Antigua, my mom's from France, so we just, I mean, I knew Japanese when I was little. We just were very multicultural to a small town in Columbia, Missouri, where it was just tough for me. I did not look like other kids. I did not feel like other kids, mm-hmm. and it's hard. I moved in the middle of the school year, too, so it was really hard, um, but I ended up having some great friends yeah. and great uh, Holly, my best friend, great, great friendships, and uh, I know it was a safe place to grow up, more so than New Jersey. <laughs> we, we lived in Piscataway. My dad taught at Rutgers, but it was, you know, my brothers always joke if we would have stayed there, I would have been a prostitute, they would have been a drug oh, dealer, because it was pretty bad. <laughs> Your future set for you if you would have stayed there. Right, right. 
So, um, <laughs> so we moved to Missouri, went to school there, lived there till I was about 28, mm-hmm. managed a clothing store there. Then I moved to, I got married and moved to Kansas City and lived in Kansas City for 10 years. Then I moved here and got a divorce right after, and I'm still here today. So I'm um, still very close with my brother, Craig. He's my middle brother. Um, I have a, just a, maybe a superficial relationship with my older brother. He's not as close to any of us. And then I have my mom and my dad. My dad has um, suffered several strokes and is um, in hospice, so that's... Hard. Hard. Yeah. And my mom's a tough little French woman who is, you know, tough on me. I know she loves me, but we've always had a very challenging relationship, so... Yeah. But yeah. I love her, and she's taking care of my dad, and I so love that about her. I hope to meet so. them at some point. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I, was, I think... You would be tickled by my mom. She would love you. Well, I'm always tickled by you, so I feel like there's some, like, relation <laughs> there, some connection yeah. she's to that. She's five, <laughs> Okay, so... Post-divorce is when I met you. Yes. And I remember coming into your house and seeing Mm -hmm. quotes on your mirrors, on your walls. Affirmations. Affirmations. Quotes. And I remember thinking, like, while I watched the dogs, I was like, this woman is like, she's going through a tough time, but she's dealing with it Mm -hmm. in the most positive, healthy way possible. So can you talk about a quote or two or something that you've heard from someone in a movie, one of your friends that you've that you've kept in the back of your mind to remind yourself when times get sure. rough. Um, first of all, I want to say that was at the time it was the hardest thing I'd ever been through in my life. I did not know I was going to get a divorce. I did not know I was even getting a divorce. Um, it was a complete surprise to me. So. Uh, I really struggled, and it, I mean, I don't even know what to say about what you said about me, but I felt like I was a shit show. I mean, I felt I felt, felt like I was unraveling, and I didn't know where to go or what to do, mm-hmm. and those affirmations and quotes were so important to me because they kept me grounded, they kept me focused, um, they made me feel loved and nurtured. Um, when I met, I had the best friends during this time. Like my best friends would come visit. They would call me every day. My best fr- friend Holly, when it first happened, I was so devastated. She would call me every day and she would say, today, all you have to do is get up and brush your teeth. If you brush your teeth today, you've accomplished something, Anya. Because I was just so broken down. And it was like, she put something, such a little goal in front of me that I knew I could accomplish. And it sounds so trivial, but... I, I really didn't want to do anything else. I wanted to lay in bed all day and wanted to like go to sleep and forget that I was in this new city by myself without a husband all of a sudden. It was like a death. So Holly was instrumental. Caitlin was wonderful. Caitlin would always say this to me. She would always say, this too shall pass. And it seems so basic or, you know, trivial or overused, but if you really think about what it means, nothing is, everything passes, mm-hmm. good, bad, you never stay in that spot. And I think it's so important to remember that whatever you're going through, it's going to pass. Yeah. You know, so I think it makes, it makes us more mindful 
so we're in a when we're in a really good place that we really are grateful and have gratitude for the beautiful stuff that's going on in our life and then when we're going through a tough time to know that you know it will pass yeah so those are really basic quotes but those are you know some of my favorites something a quote I really like and I'm going to butcher his name but I think it's Thin Han I don't know his name (laughs) anyway he always says this quote he says always he's I think a philosopher from like the 1600s or something always one of his favorite quotes yeah was um, I think he's a Buddhist you know if you live in the past you're depressed if you live in the future you're anxious if you live today you're at peace and so that is something that I really try to be very mindful of and work on all the time. Yeah. Because it's, um, it's hard. Especially when you're in, in a waiting season and you feel like, I mean, you even talking about the whole like setting these small goals for yourself each day. Mm-hmm. When you feel like you don't have a lot to motivate you, yeah. but you want to do something to make the waiting pass by. Right. I feel like that's a really conflicting place to be so what would you say you thought you wanted before you really fell in love with somebody like what was like in your head this is how my love life is gonna go um I mean I guess I was just naive like I don't know like most girls you know just perfect no you know no uh tension or stress um You know, he was gorgeous and made a million dollars and, um, you know, just adored me and everything was easy. Yeah. And there was, you know, it was all like butterflies and unicorns. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I just thought everything would come effortless and it was going to be, you know, butterflies and unicorns and he was going to be tall and handsome and make a lot of money and I was going to have five babies and you know yeah yeah so those were probably my very unrealistic unrealistic naive expectations of being a young girl when did you feel like oh this is actually not what I wanted well I couldn't have children so that's not I didn't feel I didn't want that I just it wasn't yeah a choice but um, I'd still like him to be tall and successful, handsome. <laughs> still on their list. Still on the list. But I think now I realize that, you know, you have to, it's, um, you know, my best friend Holly said when I was dating a guy previously, she goes, well, do you guys, do, do you like grow together? Are you guys, you know, growing together? Are you encouraging each other? Are you, you know engaging and having growth because she knows that's personally to me like personal growth my journey is very important to me and so she was asking are you doing that together and so I think that's something new that I really want right is Mm -hmm. someone who can grow with me and so I I don't know if it's it's like necessarily like a stark change like I wanted this and now I want this I think it might be a little more insightful on my part um you know, um, I think, you know, expectations is a tricky word because, you know, people can let you down. You shouldn't have expectations. But at the same time, I do expect someone to be loyal and kind and, 
you know, so um, pick up their clothes off the floor. So I think, you know, expectations of mine have changed. Um, and for myself too, not just for the other person, but for like how I want to see myself in a relationship and how I want to react to situations. And, um, yeah. Yeah. It's evolved, I guess, on this journey. I call my life my journey and it's evolved from, you know, just, I think, and I think it's, it was very simplistic, right? When I was 18, 19, you know, I'm just going to get married and have kids. Blah. That's it. And, you know, everything's like this. And yeah. it's just kind of linear. It's like, oh, yeah, it's all just kind of. You know what you don't want. Right. Which, speaking of what you don't want, we were actually going to record in your living room. And then we came to the kitchen table because it's a lot easier. And you happen to have all your vision board. Yes. Pick pick a strip of paper out of this out of this pile here and explain to me. Why that's why that's going to be on your vision vision board? I've never done a vision board. I probably should. So a vision board, you typically you do them in January, but I'm still working on it, and I think we're in April or May. Um, so, but a vision board is just it's kind of like the affirmations or the quotes we talked about. It's something visual that kind of keeps you in your place as far as what you want for growth, not in your place, but what you want, and so. With a vision board, like at first you want to write down your goals for that year. Like, what do you want this year? Like for me, you know, I'm really considering moving, selling my house, getting a little bungalow. Um, I want to find more peace within myself with some things I struggle with, like my dad's illness. And I do want to find a mate. I mean, it's been six years since my divorce and I really want to. So I picked up the paper that said happily ever after because I'm hoping for that. Um, Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean perfect everly after perfectly ever after it just means like I want my happily ever after I want my coffee and newspapers in bed on Sunday listening to Van Morrison of course yes fan right so just a lot of quotes that speak to me and it's like I think you have to like for me I meditated a little bit before I did it and I really kind of wrote down some notes about what I wanted and then you know these things spoke to me these these strips of paper here something special good dog loves worthy of a best friend table for two bloom party see, party see change next stop feel good teaching from the heart mindfulness awareness healing um loving within loving what is now La Rev, which means the dream, you know, so that's a French, French saying, and it's, you know, the dream. Would you say that, like, the waiting seasons in life allow for um, reflection? Absolutely, Libby, that's such a good, yes, that's a very good observation, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, It definitely gives you a lot of time for reflection, which I'm sure I need, and that's why it's happening. Because I do, you know, believe everything happens for a reason, as frustrating as it can be sometimes. So when I have my really bad days or I'm really struggling, something that my therapist said to me one time really kind of stuck with me. I said, I just can't wait any longer. Like, I can't do it. Like, I am supposed to be with somebody. I know this 
My heart knows this. I'm not going to be happy unless I am. And she said, Anya, what if your guy is going through a divorce? What if your guy is not here yet? What if your guy is, you know, doing something? What if that is going on? If you rush it, you won't meet him. Mm-hmm. So I feel like what I do a lot is I pray for that person, my partner, whoever it is, that they have the strength to get through what they get through and that they can get to me as soon as they can. We think a lot about waiting in terms of finding that person, but what have you learned about the presence of waiting when you are in a relationship? So your significant other is fighting their own battle, slowly take the next step, etc. You've talked to me about this before, about how you know, you're, you're waiting to meet them but then you're also you know you're trying to get to know that person that's also waiting in and of itself I do think that is I do kind of feel like I went through that with my ex because he was a musician and he was kind of waiting to Mm -hmm. and I think you just have to have kindness and if you have love for that person it makes their expiration or whatever they're you know trying to do it doesn't make it for me, I'd much rather watch someone. I'd rather watch someone waiting for something to happen than actually be waiting for something to happen for me. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, it's a different perspective when someone you love is waiting for something, and you're kind of waiting with them, but it's not really, you know, yours. So, you know, Ryan was trying to be a musician and. You know, I was waiting with him, encouraging him, but it wasn't really mine. And that was easier, I think. Yeah. You can kind of just be like, well, that's your... I mean, encouraging? Yeah. I think it's, you know, if you're watching someone wait, whether it's a friend or a partner, it's, you know, be encouraging, listen. I, I don't know. Um, is that what you mean? Yeah. I mean, like, what? what do you love about the relationships that you have now? about your friends that live in Missouri, about your friends that live here in Nashville? I feel like I am a point in my life where I have been very mindful about choosing my friends that I've kept in my life. So if I if they're in my life, I'm getting something from them. They're getting something from me too. I mean, there's mm-hmm. definitely reciprocity, but... Like, there's a balance. And so, what do I love about them? I love that they know me. They call me on my bullshit. They love me unconditionally. I can tell them anything I do, and I will not be judged. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's that's freedom, you know. On the other side of fear is freedom. And it's like, when you can really tell your friend, hey, I did this. A friend that you trust, a very close friend that, hey, I did this, I'm not proud about it, but I do this. And they can empathize and maybe not understand, but still love you unconditionally. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal to me. I mean, so my friends are like that, you know. Yeah. And um, they're just like my cheerleaders, you know? They, I know. they know how bad I want to be in a relationship, and they want it for me. So what would you say has gotten you through those times where, you know, you go through periods when you're dating different people and you get home from a date and you're just like, that was a, that was, you feel like that was a waste of time. Mm -hmm. Or when you're going through a dry spell and 
you're just kind of like, Ugh, I can't seem to mm-hmm. really connect with anybody. Or when you're in in something, when you're actually dating that person, it's been a little while and you still feel kind of like you're waiting for something. What has gotten you through those different types of like, I, I mean, I would say roller coaster type feelings before mm-hmm. you actually meet that person. What's kept you level, true to yourself? Hmm. Can't always say I'm level and true to myself. Okay. I think my therapist helps keep me level and true to myself. Or sometimes resets me. We're all kind of get, you know, I call it swirling. It's kind of like what you say about your hamster wheels. Like you have oh, yeah. five different things going all at the same time. I call it swirling. Like I have a bunch of thoughts going on in my head. And, you know, so journaling, I think for me, it helps to get it out. It helps to talk about it. It helps to stop myself from going into the future, right? Because that future is where you get anxious. So to just be like, you know, what? I'm just going to have fun tonight. Yeah. And that's it, you know, and not going to a place of, well, I don't really like him. Just get through tonight. That's, that's all I got to do. Like, you know, and while you, for, you know, it's like we're waiting to date this person, right? Mm-hmm. We are so excited. And then it's one once you get there, it's going to be nerve wracking. Like our stomach's going to hurt. We're going to be nervous. We're going to be watching, waiting for him to text us. We're going to be, we're going to be like, I really like him. I hope he really likes me. Like it's a whole new set of waiting, right? So you just lean on your friends. You lean on Van Morrison. (laughs) Is there a favorite Van Morrison lyric that you like? Um, And the healing has begun is one of my all-time favorite songs. I know, right? Um, it's a great Van Morrison song. Um, Into the Forest is really good, too, because at the end, he kind of does this, like, riff with his voice, and he sounds like a goat, and it makes me laugh. <laughs> but that's the kind of stuff that gets me through. It's yeah. like, Into the Forest comes on, out of random, and I'm in my kitchen. I'm like, oh, I get to hear the goat. I mean, so, you know, it's just having, I guess having the grace with yourself that you know you're going to have the good days and the bad days. And some of the dates are going to be bad and some of them are going to be good. Yeah. But I've tried to take my pressure off. Is this the guy? Is he the one that I'm going on the date with tonight? I just try to say I'm going to meet someone new. And I'm always trying to be really welcome to everyone new. So just look at them as a person, not as an end result, a yes or a no. Just as a person. And when I'm enjoying dating, do it. And when I'm not, don't. Yeah. How have you personally embraced the waiting seasons in your life? So you're you know, looking for your person. Then you're also caring for your father, who's currently um, sick. Well, it's easy to say how I've embraced it. Just waiting for a partner. It's, I've enjoyed mm-hmm. my friends. I've traveled the world a couple times over I've um just done really fun things in Nashville spent a lot of really good quality time with my girlfriends um and I'm grateful for that because a lot of people are married and don't get that time they have their kids you know and I get that Mm -hmm. but I feel real lucky because I think I have a really strong network of friends of amazing women so for me that's how I've embraced it just Every moment that I get to spend with them, I'm filled with gratitude and just awe of what 
amazingly talented, beautiful women I have in my life on the inside and the outside. With my dad, it's not easy to embrace. Yeah, of course. What is he and your mom taught you about love? And that can go... (laughs) That can go outside of finding a relationship. You know, they've been married... 53 years and before my dad got sick he's a microbiologist he's a brilliant entomologist harvard mit educated Mm -hmm. and he would come home for lunch every day my mom would make him lunch they would go to the grocery store together on the weekends and hold hands i never saw my parents fight not one time they were always a um solid unit even when i felt like my mom was being crazy my dad would never disrespect her. I always said to my dad, you know, you kind of messed it up for me because I'm never going to find anyone like you. Because he's so kind and patient and sweet. But then, as much as my mom and I have had troubles, I see her now, and she is literally my dad's caregiver. And she would not have it any other way. And that's beautiful to me. Yeah. It's nothing fun about waiting. And it's like, one minute I wish he would have, I wish he would pass away because I worry about my mom being sick and I worry about my brother getting sick because they're full time caregivers from him. Even in hospice, my mom wants to give him showers. She wants to do all that stuff. And, and for him, I don't, he wouldn't want to live this way. He can't eat, he can't swallow. He has feeding tubes for, I think, four years now. And at the same time, I can't imagine not looking in his eyes. He has the most beautiful green eyes. And I can't imagine not being able to touch him or tell him I love him. So it's waiting, and I feel like it's even harder at this point in my life because I don't have my father, and I don't have a partner. So where I would lean on my partner, I would lean on my dad, and now I can't do that. And so I don't know if I'll ever see anything beautiful in that. Yeah. Would you say, would you tell people amidst whatever waiting season that they should embrace it, the family that they have and what they have at the time. Do you think that's something that's, yeah, I definitely, that we often forget about in our waiting periods? I think we do. I mean, I never thought my dad, my dad played tennis three times a week. He was healthy, almost vegan, no high blood pressure, no smoke, no drink. And he has the strokes. He has had several strokes that have crippled him. So I never at any point when I was younger, getting older, did I think my parents would end up, one of my parents would end up sick. I just assumed they'd get old and die of natural causes. So I would say be really mindful of that and, you know, Mm -hmm. hug your parents super tight and just be grateful for the family you have. Um, Thanks for making me cry, Lips. Jeez. You're welcome. It's good therapy, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Talking is always good therapy for me. Talking is really good therapy, getting it out. Yeah. 
Um, kind of through seasons of waiting when you don't quite know if your feelings are valid. If you're just like, oh my gosh, I have, I feel so emotional about this thing that I want so bad. And I mean, I often feel, I wouldn't say I would say guilty sometimes. Like, oh, I'm just being I'm just being overdramatic. I need to get out of my head. I need to go like be there for someone else. Um and I was sharing a quote with you earlier that I found it's anonymous. Which I think is kind of dumb cuz like what does that mean? I know, right? It's like just just own up to it. It's hard to wait around for something you know might never happen, but it's harder to give up when you know it's everything you want. Can you expand on when yeah. you felt like giving up? Yeah. What did that feel like and how did you get through that? Giving up on something that's not there yet. Right. And I do have days like that still, yeah. actually, where I'm just like, screw it. I'm going to, I mean, like I, I told you earlier, I felt like, holy shit, I'm, uh, this is it. I'm going to be, I'm going to be the old lady with cats and dogs. And, you know, I don't want to be that. But. I'm going to have hope. I'm going to be hopeful. And so that hope carries me through um, faith in myself and in um, the universe, my guardian angels, my friends telling me, you're not going to be single, you don't worry about it. <laughs> you know, things <laughs> like that. I think it helps to get it out, Lives. I mean, for me, it's cathartic to be able to talk to a friend and say, but you know, there's nothing easy about it. And I don't think that we should ever dismiss our feelings as women. We're born nurturers. We're born empaths. We're born intuitives. Like, this is who we are, is to be in relationships with women and men. But a man, you know, that's in our DNA. It goes back forever. Adam and Eve. I mean, it's a man and a woman. It's like you have a partner. So it's co completely understandable why you would have such strong feelings and you know be discouraged and be frustrated mm -hmm. you know i told my therapist one day i'm on a roller coaster and i hate roller coasters <laughs> i hate them and she said anya you got to put your hands up and enjoy the ride and it's still on my vision board downstairs enjoy the ride it's like we're gonna find guys we're not going to be able to spend as much time with our friends. Not that we don't want to, but we'll just have a different It'll be direction. It'll be a change. And so then we're going to look back and remember all these great things we did. So I try to do that some days. And some days I'm just going to have a bad day and be like, this sucks. And I'm going to let my self have it. I'm just going to have it. Let I think it's lean into it. Lean into it. <laughs> what you resist persists. And I can tell you that's true. So... The quicker I let it go and not let it go, like, oh, this is easy to let go. But the quicker I say, you know what? I am having a shitty day and it's okay, Anya. This does suck. It sucks. You're 46. You're single. You thought you'd be married your whole life. Your dad's dying. It sucks right yeah. now. And that's really how, I mean, I think that's what a lot of people feel. I mean, I think social media I, get, I mean, it's an ongoing conversation. It's a movement. I mean, pe like, people don't know how to wait. Like, I was even having a conversation with a friend the other day. She was doing a project, and she was like, her first question for me was, do you think you're a patient person? Mm. <laughs> and no, I'm 
honestly, I would like to say there are certain areas where I've been patient, but I couldn't confidently say yes. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think we're forced to be patient. We don't have a choice. If right. we could go out and buy a guy, we probably would. I would. <laughs> if I could get on my computer, go on Amazon, and order him up, I would order his shit up right now. I'd be like, come on down. We're good. I'm all set now. Right? And then Amazon will give you suggestions of, you looked at this, you may yeah. like this too, to add on. Right. So, I mean... I don't think we have a choice in being patient with the waiting. But, you know, I think humor helps. Van Morrison helps. Van Morrison. Amazing friends. Do you remember, a, like, a humorous time that you've had with friends where you were like, it's going to be okay. I'm good. I'm going to get through this, and I'm... Gosh, every time I'm with my friends, I feel that way. I feel I get so much strength from my friends of all ages. I mean, it's just an honor to be in... The presence of all y'all. I mean, Libby, how old are you now? 25? I'm 25, yeah. Girl, it, it's a beautiful thing. You're so at the beginning of everything wonderful. And I'm going to be right next to cheering you on. Go, Libby, go. I'm going to be at your wedding crying. No, I, you're already invited to my wedding. <laughs> I'm going to hold your baby. I'm going to watch your baby. But you know what, Libby? You don't want, you know, you could have a date. You could have a date today. I could have a date today. We, I mean, you learn, you've learned at 25, what I've learned at 46, to be more discerning. And we're not looking for a guy to mm-hmm. marry us. We're looking for the right guy for us, what, what they call our twin flame, right? Dude, I never heard that. <laughs> yeah, like I, I like that. Twin flame. twin flame. Yes, so... And, you know, you've lost the ability to settle at 25. I know it's a frustrating thing, but it's a beautiful thing. And yeah. you're a brave, brave girl. Because I know a lot of girls at 25 who are married having babies. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, but I can't picture my... I go in Target sometimes, I'm going to be real honest, and a baby starts crying in the shoe aisle, and I'm like, I can't decide which wedge I want. You're, <laughs> 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 you're talking over my discernment. Yes. <laughs> over what yeah. pair of shoes to buy. And I honestly think... Because you're not married at 25, that you will have much more, you will have a more healthier, you will have a healthier, more successful marriage partnership with someone. Because you've got to do all these great things. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like you've worked on your stuff. You've worked on your stuff. You've had this career. You know who you are. You know I'm your value. Sometimes I'm like, Libby, you're, you're, this, I mean, this is actually why I'm doing this project is because I, again, woke up one morning and was like, I feel like I'm trying to mentally fix all these different areas when I don't necessarily have the power to. No. And to rein it back in and kind of reflect on why I feel this way. Because you're control freak. Um, oh, major control freak. We can do it the best. We will do it the best. We're the best. Haunted. It's, 10, 10, 10. Yeah. yeah. But so like, I feel like I'm still learning so much about myself. And I think that the difficulty in waiting for me is that adventure and what I'll discover along the way. Yes. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, but. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's always a challenge. 
the waiting. I mean, and, and I think it's it's a big thing for women, the waiting for for the guy. But I think we can't sit back and be. Do you think? Do you think waiting is just really living, and we're all hoping for things that we I think don't? We're living, don't you think we're? living? Yeah, we're living right now. We're, we're living. living. This rose. This rosé is helping us. This rosé is living. This Urban cheese. cowboy is living. This vegan cheese has helped me live. <laughs> it's called Tree Line. Yeah. They're not sponsoring this. No. But if you want to sponsor it, you can. We'll get your supply, maybe. Yes. It's delicious. Yes. I think that we're not being passive. I mean, you know, I'm doing everything I can. You're doing everything you can. And that's all we can do. And mm-hmm. we, at, at the end of the day, I want to know that I've been a good person. I loved with all my heart. And I gave everything I could give to the people I love. Yeah. And then I'm okay. Like, that's what I want to do. I want to know that I've done. You always make me laugh. Oh. You give me so much wisdom, but you also make me laugh. Oh, thanks. Well, happy to be in waiting with you. Happy to be in waiting with you too, Libby. Thank you for tuning in to the Waiting Room series. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe here on Apple Podcasts and write a review. I would love to hear what you think. To learn more about how you can be the first to listen, sign up for a weekly newsletter that includes a link to a new episode, blog post, and more at libbyolerich.com slash the waiting room. Until next Sunday, enjoy the rest of your day and week ahead. I don't think we have a choice in being patient with the waiting. But, you know, I think humor helps. Amazing friends.